Good evening and welcome to the KFM 88.1 Grand Junction, Colorado Public Affairs Show. Tonight is the second Wednesday of the month, so it's time for myself, Rick Castellini. And I'm Adam Cochran, and if my mic is here, yeah, I'm Adam Cochran. And I'm Matt Kettlewell. And we are the computer guys. are going to answer all your computer questions or any tech-related questions. Give us a call, 241-8801-Extension1, 241-8801-Extension1, and we will get you on the air. And if if the three of us can't answer your question... It is not answerable. <laughs> so I'm going to say I, that. I don't want to say that. Somebody will call it. Well, I'm saying that. I'm okay. going out on a limb. We're so? on tape. It's being recorded. It has to relate to technology. Though. Yes, 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 yes. Okay. That it has to be related to technology. I'm afraid of baseball questions. 21st century technology. Any if you call up and ask anything about uh, 18th century technology, I'm not going to know that. Okay. <laughs> uh, let's do our underwriters real quick. Adam, you want to go first? All right. Sweet. 241-8801 is the number here tonight at KFM. 88.1 Grand Junction, Colorado. If you're calling from out of the area and you're listening on the web, that is at uh, 970-241-8801. And if you are in the outer reaches of the signal, even with our new boosted signal at KFM, you can listen to KFM 24 hours a day, 7 days a week at kfmradio.org. So there's all your particulars, and uh love to hear from you. A couple news items. Uh, one thing that just... <laughs> Poked out me just now. Okay. This is a uh, this is in the UK. A cop chased himself for 20 minutes because CCTV, uh, closed caption TV, confused him with a suspect. Oh my gosh! So <laughs> so how does that work? Well, apparently back at the station, as they were watching the closed caption TVs that are all around the UK, uh-huh. and apparently that's one of the most photographed places in the world is in London. Okay. If you're walking around London, apparently you can get your picture taken right. almost every other block. That's okay. what movies are made of. Yeah. And <laughs> so apparently they found, uh, they said every time a man darted into an alleyway, the officer was turning immediately in the same alleyway, oh. but the CCTV operator okay. didn't Let, know who was who. Okay, now I'm, I'm all straight now. Okay. Here's what happened. I interpreted <laughs> this. I interpreted the story you said CCTV, and I interpreted closed caption. Okay. That's not right. What is what it's, is CC? It's closed circuit. Oh, closed circuit. See, closed caption. Closed caption yeah, is for see, blind people. Closed caption is a blind. So I'm trying to figure <laughs> or not out, blind people. I'm trying for, to figure uh, out how the police department people. is watching these subtitles across the bottom of the screen and chasing the bad guy. <laughs> now I got it. So they're watching somebody run from them on these closed circuit TVs. There you and go. Oh, that's cool. Isn't um, that crazy? So that every time he ducked in the alley, the person watching the TV thought it was a, a perp. And kept telling them to keep going. They're running around in circles. Man. <laughs> Isn't that funny? Wow. That's a Gizmodo story. Well, how about you guys? Anything stand out this week on the news for you guys? Well, as I just popped in, I saw that Chrome upgraded to 17, and uh, they, they seem to make upgrades just very frequently. Yep. And seamlessly. And seamlessly, yeah. Um, you know, I, I probably wouldn't. I, I actually, because I'm on Linux, I have to physically download a new copy. Um, but uh, the Windows version, it just automatically updates, yep. doesn't it? Oh, it? Yeah, you're right. It doesn't auto-update on Linux. Right. I wonder if it'll ever happen. Probably not. I don't it think can. it ever will because... Uh, because of the you, security. Uh, well, the security, and you also have package managers that handle a lot of that stuff for right. you. Um, and so it, it puts it under the administrative controls. Now, are you on the beta channel or not the beta channel? I am not on the beta channel. Because I think I, I run the beta on my Windows. I think... They usually stay a version or so ahead. Right. But uh, you really can't tell the difference. I never tell the difference. I I can never tell the difference unless there's a particular feature where they change the menu bar or something like that. And even with the extensions, I don't want to get too geek here, but when you have a a web browser now, a lot of people are still using Internet Explorer and don't understand this, but, but for Firefox or for Google Chrome, you can make your web browser do more. It's like putting little programs inside the browser. So right. even with Chrome, you can do something like as complex as play Angry Birds inside of it if you want. Um, but once in a while, especially with Firefox, when you upgrade the browser, some of your extensions quit working. Like you right. have an extension that monitors your email or you have an extension that uh, lets you read certain news headlines. Or stumble upon like that, Or stumble. Mm-hmm. It'll break one of those extensions and you have to wait for the extension update. But with Chrome, I've never had that happen. I've never had my extensions stop working. They've, they've just kept going. It's very interesting. Yeah, yeah it, it is very seamless in that respect. I've, I've enjoyed that. 
And I, I, I try not to add, uh, add too many extensions to any of my browsers because I think it does slow things down. And as Adam mentioned, if you're using Firefox, you've got to keep up with their updates as well, although they've gotten a little better on that yeah. uh, in addition. But for those of you who don't know what Google Chrome is, uh, a web browser is what you open up. If, and if you're on a Windows computer, it's usually Internet Explorer, the blue E. Uh, or if you're an AOL user, you click on AOL. <laughs> you and still see AOL users? Yes, I do. You do still? I do. Unfortunately, I do. <laughs> I haven't met an AOL user in years. Oh, they, they're out there. But I sold but, them. So. <laughs> yeah, you're even out of it. You're, you're, so an, acad- you're an academia, so you I don't know. know what goes on in the world. I know, I know. And I'm an academia that teaches all Mac. So I haven't <laughs> touched a Windows machine now for months. But a browser is <laughs> what you use to get on the Internet and search the Internet, go to web pages, that kind of thing. And there are alternatives. You do not have to use Internet Explorer if you're a Windows user. You do not have to use Safari if you're a Mac user. Right. And, in fact, we've recommended for years Mozilla Firefox. We still like it. Yep. Mm-hmm. I remember way back in 2002 or three, Adam downloaded a beta version of Mozilla Firefox. When it started, just kind of started out, he tested it on the air. Yeah, we were we, live on the air when we did that. It, it was, was on our old Saturday we were, show. It was a cool show because I kept saying... Wow. Ooh, this is I couldn't cool. see his screen. Look but... at this. Look at this. And I'm showing him stuff on the air. Look what this does. So, yeah, it was a major step up, and I don't think we looked back after that. I no. Think we stuck and up. they made great improvements this year. If you're a Firefox user, I think 3 was yeah. great, 2 was really good. But then they had a little downtime between 3.5 and 4 where right. it was kind of sluggish. What are they at now? 7 or 8? They're 10. 10. 10. They're oh, at see, 10. I don't even watch. I, I use it. And I do all the updates, but I don't pay any attention to what, what the number, number is. On. Well, and it's almost irrelevant, kind of like uh, Chrome. Just, just like yeah. Chrome, yeah. You just don't really know what the number is anymore, yeah. which is right. good. I like yeah. that. I like the automatic update. Yeah. Now, did either of you ever play with Opera? Yeah. Yes. Oh, yeah. I still use it occasionally. Nice. Nice. Yeah, Opera is another, probably the fourth most popular browser. Probably so, yeah. And it's been around for ages. Oh, ages and ages. I, In fact, they were the first ones to come up with tabbed browsing. Yeah. Yep. And I, I loved them for that. The only thing I didn't like was back then when they were so popular, um, I had to drop them because um, websites were actually going browser by browser right. and excluding, and Opera was always excluded. So yeah. if I went to my bank, I had to go find a different yep. browser, yep. Right. and so I just abandoned the project. Yeah. But yeah, the uh, I haven't looked at the new version. You still uh, use it occasionally? I still use it occasionally. Probably, Pretty good still? Mainly I use it just to see what's new with it and how it works. It's it's very Chrome-esque. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, it used to be far cleaner than anything out there, but now that Chrome's out there, you know, nothing yeah, nothing's Chrome's more plain so than Chrome. But, uh, but, yeah, I like it. You know, the other thing Opera was the first to do was create the, uh, the porn feature. The, what do they uh, call that? They call uh, that the uh, private browsing. Yeah, private browsing or whatever <laughs> that basically keeps your computer from registering cookies and all of that and history right. while you're doing it. And now everybody does that, which uh, is the bane of parents everywhere. You know, we now, want to be who, able to watch who, what our kids Well, I was going to say, who uses that? Does anybody in this room use that? Oh, no. I don't use it. I, I don't, don't have any reason it. to. Yeah. I mean, it's it, kind it, of a crazy. No, the time I will use it is if I want to open up a link <laughs> on a website that I'm not quite sure of, uh-huh. like if I get an email. And I'm not quite sure what the what the link right. is, or are my comments. People leave comments on the website, oh, okay. mm. and if I'm testing it, I'll right click and say "Open it in that okay. in that private browser." I don't think it I offers it, me any protection from viruses or anything, but I just yeah. feel like it I doesn't deposit that, uh, stuff. I use that feature when I'm using somebody else's computer sometimes, uh, right. just because I don't want it to. I don't want to be in their history. I don't want it to if they have their computer set to automatically remember passwords or something like that. Right, and that, that's all, actually a very incognito. Good use. That's what they used to call it, incognito yeah. or something like that. I think they still call it that. That I think that's what Opera calls it. Yeah. Well, yeah, each browser talk costs something different, but that's actually a very good use of it, Adam. If yeah. you are traveling and you have to go, uh, like my buddy and I, we went to a football game in Denver a few weeks ago. And he needed to print out the tickets, uh-huh. so we had to go down to the uh, to the service center, the what do they call the business center, right? And use their computer, and that's what we ha- I had him do right. that. I op- they had Internet Explorer, which the new version now has the private browsing also. And as Adam just mentioned, a good a good practical use of the porn mode is when you are using a public computer. If you open up your your uh, password protected sites in that browser window that's that's uh, private it does not save cookies does not save your passwords and all that kind of stuff yeah so that's a good use that's actually a good practical use that's good what job. i use it for good job and that's what i keep opera for too and and, that's and the way we'll I keep it. telling rachel that's what you use oh, it for yeah go for it 
<laughs> we have a lot of rules in our house. It'd be really hard for me to to get into any habits like that. Um, <laughs> All right, two four one eight eight zero one extension one two four one eight eight zero one extension one. We could talk all day. We've already yes. been talking fifteen minutes, but we much prefer talking to you, the listener. So if you have questions, throw them out to us. Now Matt is monitoring his Facebook, and you do use Facebook. They both these guys both use Facebook a lot. Yep. Um, so they can contact you at Matt Kettlewell? At Matt Kettlewell, yeah. So Facebook.com slash Matt Kettlewell, one word. And, and are you monitoring your Facebook? I, people, I, I have to pretty much friend anybody to – I mean, they could send so you me got a message, it down. I guess. I got mine pretty well locked down. Okay, yeah. but they can contact any one of us on Twitter. If we have anybody yes. that's out there on Twitter, mm-hmm. you can contact us at Help Me Rick for me. At Kettlewell. At Talking, Talking Digital. Digital, yes. Yeah. At Talking Digital, and I am Facebook.com slash Talking Digital. Um, you can message me, but there's really nothing else you can do there. I I try to uh, practice what I preach every day to my students and lock keep, things keep down. Keep the privacy. And if you're my friend, you can see whatever, but uh, I just lock it down otherwise. So. And I'm pretty wide open. I, yeah. I allow people to... And, and I really haven't had any problems with anybody yeah. doing... Really, for me, it's not a problem. It's more, uh, and this is what I do with my students, is that you know there's been surveys that say that if, they, that if you have a picture on Facebook of you holding a drink in your hand, mm-hmm. it gives like 75% of people a negative interpretation of who you are, even if they drink. So even if it's a drinker that sees that, really? they see, there's been all kinds of studies like that. I believe that. that. So I don't drink at all, and there's no pictures of me doing that, but I always worry about what... I do worry about what people think just based on looking through my pictures or looking at something like that. I mean, I obviously have a sense of humor, so I keep the the funny pictures visible and stuff like that. But but again, I don't want pictures of my family out there, and I don't want people commenting on stuff that's that's none of their business. But uh, but my friends, you know, any of my direct friends, uh, I let them see my pictures. But friends of friends can't see them. So in other words, if a friend of mine comments on a picture, their friends can't see their comment. So. I just kind of lock it down like that so I can kind of control the message a little bit. And a lot of that is so I can demonstrate to my students that that's the way it should be because a lot of these students are out there and they're trying to get jobs, and that's one of the main places headhunters look now is they say, okay, let's look at this person and let's see. And if they're defiling what, the campus fountain, exactly. you, you don't want <laughs> that way, to be public. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, they find a lot of creative ways to do that, too. That's, so. Yeah, exactly. exactly. So that's, it's college, that's after all. That. It is. And it is college. In our day, college was private. Yeah, because unless somebody was taking photos and putting it in yeah. the campus uh, newspaper, yeah. whatever you did pretty much was forgotten. Yeah, yeah, down the road. So, uh, hey, uh, one news item that did come up uh, this week is yes. that, and I, it seems to be that Microsoft has Windows eight on the fast track. Yes, I previewed I it last month at our user group. They're actually coming out with a consumer preview version Ooh. of Windows eight this uh, on February twenty ninth at the mobile event. It's so different than any other previous yeah. version of Windows. I just, I think. Uh, I just read yesterday, and you probably knew this. All, well, you knew this already because you've been doing it. But they got rid of the start button. Right. So, good luck. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. People, the average user gets lost going from XP to Windows Seven. Yeah, they get lost when you move an icon far four inches. I so mean, it's if, not saying anything bad about them, but people get used. People to People like to keep things similar to the way they are. Windows eight is such a foreign uh, way to do th- business that right. I think it's going to blow. And already we heard this week that Apple's iPhone division alone, just Apple's iPhone division, is bigger than Microsoft. Yeah. In terms of money. Yeah. Whoa! <laughs> Sorry, and that's the kind of reaction I had. Matt, yeah. he, Matt almost <laughs> fell off his chair. Yeah. And Microsoft used to be the largest technology company in the world right. just less than ten years ago. Do you think Microsoft is still relevant? I don't. I personally do not. I have not felt that way since Vista. Right. I think Vista was their. You know what slide. I think coincided though with cloud and other things. I think we're going to see one thing happen. This is a prediction, you know, Cochrane predictions, but this is a prediction. I think that one thing that will happen is people who are set in Windows, yes, the consumers, not the businesses, will adopt Windows eight. We'll see touchscreen monitors start to get start to become the. You know, the, just standard. The, right. Standard uh, we'll, interaction. So, and, the, and we'll start to see the mouse fade away with Microsoft users, which <coughs> in turn will lead to OS 
11, whatever, whatever the next OS will be for, for, for Apple. Mac. Mm-hmm. And I bet, and I'm betting that just because of that pressure that we start seeing the touch screens implemented in all the Apple devices, especially the, the next generation of the MacBook Air, mm-hmm. um, we'll see that and we'll start seeing the mouse start to fade away altogether, or at least its role will be much smaller than it has been. Except for, um, again, CAD programmers and maybe fine-tuning yeah, image editors. Yeah, but the thing is, the only thing that's keeping that right now from really working is that the iPad screen isn't touch-sensitive. Mm-hmm. So it's not, I mean, it's you can touch it, but it's not, there's not 256 levels or 1,000 levels of touch sensitivity. Mm-hmm. And those things make a difference to designers and, and things like that. So right. really, the CAD people even, I have a feeling they could work with a stylus much better than they could work with a mouse if they really get and kind of kind of integrate what what what's the little thing that you use for digital imaging the um, the bamboo oh yeah the, the Wacom, Wacom, Wacom yeah yeah but see I mean this would be a Wacom built into the screen exactly really. that's what I'm saying so and, that may uh, be the next generation of it touch could be and I, yeah. I think we're kind of headed that way but it all depends on whether it works I I think that there may still be some sort of touch mouse sort of See, I'm going to go one step further, and this may be 10 years down the line, but I'm still such a big believer, and I think it's demonstrated itself. You guys both said before the show that you guys are big Facebook users. We all three have our browsers open right now. If you think about how much time we do not spend in a browser, it's not much. And so that's why I'm thinking the the operating system in general is going to be irrelevant in the next 10 years. I agree with you. All right. Hello. You're on uh, with man. You're on with Rick and Matt and Adam. All three of us talking computers and technology. What can we do for you? Okay. I heard uh, something about uh, Windows 8 not being able to uh, dual boot. I didn't say that. Did you say no? That? Well, he, oh, he oh, read he something. He read something. Okay. Yeah. And and I I have not researched that yet. Were you at the user group today? Yep. Yeah. Hey there. How you doing? Did you go back and read or research that a little bit more? Uh, no. I I deleted the little. The blurb on that? I got from Unix or Linux. Yeah, and it was... It was on a Linux um, uh, email I got. Yeah, there was some blurb. Him, This gentleman and I both uh, were talking about this today. There was some blurb that talked about Microsoft doing something to what's called the master boot record when you install Windows 8 (laughs) that was going to potentially prevent the, the ability to dual boot with another operating system. Right. And uh, it looks like uh, Matt over here was being doing some Google foo and found I, the I, article. I found an article from September twenty first, okay. so, so it's it's fairly old. But uh, it, it's you know the the title of it is "Will Windows Eight Block Users from Dual Booting Linux?" Microsoft won't say. So as of September, there there there's obviously still a question. up in the air. Right. Yeah. Let me see if I can find something a little more. So we'll keep researching that, and and uh, you piqued my interest again today when you asked me that question, and I I just saw it in passing, and being so that was a few months ago, things always change. I almost don't think that they could get away with that because you know, I kind of it's their system, so I don't know, but it's your commute computer exactly, and that's why I'm not so sure they could get away with that because it is your computer. And you should have the right, we do have the rights to do anything we want with the computer. Right now you can buy a Windows computer and uh, strip Windows and put anything you want on it. So yeah, Well, we, I, I got that little email thing about maybe a month or less ago, and I was just really, really, really curious. Okay, well, if we find any more information, and uh, Matt's researching it as we speak, and certainly I don't think we'll know anything final until the final version comes out. Yeah. And even then, yeah. <laughs> you give it give it a few weeks to have the first update, and a year after that to get the first service pack release, and, and we really just can't say ever that it's going to uh, disappear. The one thing I would say is that I, when it comes to Windows, uh, hackers, not, and I'm not talking about bad guy hackers, uh, but but the hackers, the people who really play with the software and reverse uh, engineer it or whatever, the, I, there's always a way around the restrictions that a company puts on stuff. I mean, they even found a way to get around Apple's software, although it's you know been told it's not legal. Uh, there's still a way, still things in existence they couldn't put those legal restrictions on microsoft because you're only buying the software you're not buying the whole machine the way you would be with macintosh That's so true too. it's a I, I really think that it's even if it does come you know become a uh, a feature i would expect parallels or somebody like that to come out with a workaround for it i will say that the last uh, uh ubuntu linux did a dual boot 
painlessly. Yeah. Cool. Good. Cool. Really nice. And that was the newest uh, 11.1? 11 point whatever yeah the one the october one the october yeah 11.1 in october cool good well hey we appreciate the call and the wine wine uh loads up a lot easier too but now you have to load wine in secondary for ubuntu though correct right yeah it doesn't come in it but that way quicken works nicely good hey well we appreciate it thanks for the info okay have a good day right bye 241-8801, extension 1. Give us a call. We'll talk to you about anything technology-related. And the gentleman there just mentioned wine. Uh, wine is the ability for you to run some, most, Windows programs inside of Linux without having to install any kind of uh, Windows software or even do any kind of virtual um, machines. What would you find, Matt? Well, as of January 20th, so okay. just a pretty week, recent, very recent, uh, dual booting Windows 8 and Linux Mint, and it's it's saying it's possible. It's possible. Good. It is possible. So, um, so so I think the answer to that is yes. So far, yes. Mm-hmm. Good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and okay. I think the, the the email that he saw or the the article he saw and the one I saw were were just kind of uh, they're wondering they were they were scuttlebutt that it might not occur. Right. Well, as I was searching, I noticed that the date on almost all of these was September 21st through the 23rd. So there must have been some sort of an article that came out that yeah. really emphasized it because it was really big news, but there was not a whole lot after that yeah. uh, until I see this January 20th one. So um, so either there was a change in the way they did it or, or somebody's come up with something to get around that. Cool. Well, just... Uh Kind of changing gears a little bit. Just a few other news things that are ha- that have happened that are somewhat important. Okay. One Tell is us. one is kind of important, and that is that Nikon has released or has announced the D eight hundred. Have you read about this camera? I have not read. I'm not in the camera. It's a high end camera. It's one on their high end SLR. So it's an SLR. Like, okay. It's an SLR, but it's uh, thirty four megapixels. I want to say. Oh, wow. Yeah, and uh, let me look it up here. Nikon D800 is what it's called. I wonder how big one image is on that. <laughs> I don't know. It's got to be 50, but, uh, 60 megs. And that's, and that's their first one is the D800, and they're going to come out with another model that's kind of a step up called the D800E or something like that. Um, let me look here. But it's a full-frame sensor, uh, 34 megapixels, and it shoots – I'm still trying to find here – Six frames a, a second or something like oh, that. I mean, it, oh, for it's the video. Ridiculously oh, no, that's no, no. for the still. No, it does 30 frames video, thirty frames per second video, too. 36 megapixel. Wow. Um, and then there will be an 800E coming out, too. So it's it's interesting. Well, just what's going on there, that that's going to... And probably image stabilized, since almost all digital cameras these well, days the are, lenses aren't they? In, these, in Nikons and Canons, the lenses are image stabilized. Not the software. In, yeah, and not uh, not inside the camera. Sony's okay. have it built inside the camera, but uh, okay. And Panasonic these, is that inside the camera also? I think so. I think so, but I'm I'm not positive on that. But I think so. The uh, anyway, so that's kind of cool news and something to keep your eyes on. And then the new camera. When when does the camera uh, PMA? Big, yeah, PMA. The you know what? I'm not sure when PMA. That's usually is. March, isn't it? PMA, PMA. PMA is the big digital photo, camera. Yeah, photo, photo Marketing Association. Yeah, it's ah. kind of like um, CES for camera people. Okay. Also in Vegas. I'm You've never looking, gone, have you, Adam? No, I haven't, but I'm looking to see whether it's even existing now. Let's see. PMA 2012. I'm not finding it. Huh. Oh, it's, I bet it is. You, PMAI.org. There we go. Uh, waiting for the page to load. Okay, I'm going to just do a quick okay, three-person poll. Yeah, go for it. We talked about some future uh, future guesses here and, and, and making some uh, some going out on a limb statements. What do you think? Where do you think BlackBerry is going to be in five years? <laughs> <laughs> where are they now? Uh, <laughs> I don't think they're going to get any better. Okay, uh, I don't think anybody's going to buy them, and I, I think they're they're essentially just going to go down the drain. I, I, Probably, I think, okay. I think they're at end of life. Yeah, I still think that we can separate BlackBerry from QNX, the the operating system software. I still think there's that's still an industry accepted programming platform okay. operating system absolutely so i think that that will probably have to go open source or they're going to have to sell, sell just the somebody. operating system they're gonna have to do something because that still is in existence and there's still a lot of programmers supporting it it's still a very very versatile program a lot of cars bmws 
and things like that run on on that QNX software. Uh, I think it's BMW, but anyway, a lot of those high-end cars. So I think that there's that. And that's totally separate from the actual BlackBerry and the Playbook. Yeah, yeah, I'm talking about the um, the, un- the no, there's uh, no communication. They're units. already. I think they're already dead. Yeah. I don't think they can do anything. In fact, I think that Hewlett Packard's WebOS, now that it's open source, is more viable than than the BlackBerry. Than the BlackBerry. Yeah, I, they, I, I they're kind of like we talked about Microsoft. This here was a company that was at the pinnacle, indestructible of, of that particular industry or in that particular genre, and then made a few missteps and a few miscalculations. And down the hill they go. Yeah, well, and they, in this kind of environment, it's hard to get back up and climb that hill. Yep. But yeah, they had too many days where they had outages, and yeah. Well, and they just released bad product after bad product. Yeah, they yeah. really did. They they no, no couldn't innovation. they couldn't bring anything out to compete with the stuff that was coming out. Right. So, oh. did you find PMA? Well, I'm looking here, but here's what it looks like they're doing. So PMA is that photograph thing. It looks okay. like they don't exist anymore as its own separate conference. Really? So they integrated with CES? Well, I can't say that for sure, but look, January 8th through 12th, and yeah. exhibits there, and PMA at CES International. Huh. Which, to me, makes Makes sense. a little bit of sense. Makes sure. sense, but uh, it, it, that's interesting. Makes me wish I would have gone to a CES this year. Yeah, so. very interesting. Um Okay, I'm going to go out and I'm going to talk about since we're not getting any calls. Come on, callers. Two, How four, much one. Facebook stock did you buy this week? Did it go? Did, oh, did it, it go public? It not no. yet. Did it? No. Yet. When yeah. does it go public? I don't know. They, they, they've, they've only filed the paperwork, and they're so there's yeah, there's so. Quiet but you're talking to you're all talking to your accountants or your investors. Oh, absolutely. People, right? yes, getting yes, a couple absolutely. shares. Of that. I had a guy the other day ask me. He said, "Are you a trust fund baby?" <laughs> I said, "I I wish." <laughs> Because wow. about my user group, he had never heard of the user group, and said, how much is it? And he said, wow. I said, are you a trust fund baby? I said, no. That's funny. I wish I was. Um, 241-8801, extension one. We know you have questions, and we're going to continue to talk geeky stuff and things that we're interested in. Hopefully, it's a little bit interesting for you to listen to. But we want to, ask, we want to answer your questions. Um, yeah, Adam, we love to talk, talk about iPads, anything. We haven't talked about Apple a lot today, which is good. Yeah. Because sometimes we get too Appleized, but um, we'll we'll answer anything, anything. We'll attempt to give you the answer, and if we don't know the answer, we'll make it sound darn good. Two four one eight eight zero one extension one. I'm gonna throw I'm gonna throw out to my two Android buddies here because uh, they both have Android telephones. I've got an iPhone, and I'm gonna throw out my pet peeve, one of my pet peeves with the Android. And that is the extreme fragmentation of the operating system. Before the show started, we were talking about the, uh, the Google, which owns the Android operating system, and license it out to people. Um, that's just what the certificate will look like. Sorry oh, to interrupt. That's okay. Thank you. Um, but the, the, uh, there was an announcement yesterday that Google Chrome, which we talked about earlier, which is our preferred browser on any platform, is being made available for the Android telephones. Right. However, in small print, when you go and try to find it, the only Android telephones that it's good for are folks that are running the newest version of Android, which is 4.0. Which is nobody. Which right? is which is only the Nexus. Uh, Just that one. The Nexus, Nexus S, S or whatever or the S2 new one is. Or one, yeah, whatever yeah. it is. Yeah. So the Galaxy Nexus. There it is, right oh, there. Yeah. yeah, he's got it right there. <laughs> yep. Um, which is also known as Ice Cream Sandwich 4.0, right. and virtually any other. Uh, Android telephone on the market is running 2.2, 2.3, and a few of them, and the very few of them, the 3.0. The 3.0 is mostly for tablets, all right? I think it's being yeah, used for gingerbread. Well, it, it, it's you both. Know, it, no, it's Honeycomb is 3.0. Right, it? but isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's made for tablets, and it's it's for tablets. That's not to say they don't have it running on some phones, but, but, it's but more it is of a, a tablet, tablet interface. Right. Yeah. So even a lot of the tablets that are out there that are running some of the Android can't run Google Chrome. Now, to me, that's that's another advantage in the column for Apple is that you have just a couple of products, very simple to understand what the products are, and the products all get upgraded equally along the way. From a support standpoint and a user standpoint, it is nice to know that if you buy a piece of hardware, the software, it's been designed around software instead of the other way around. Right. Yeah. Because I, I think for the consumer, the average consumer, if you're a geeky guy – or gal, you'll love the Android because you can tweak it, you can do whatever you want to it, you can root it and do all these crazy things. But if you're the average user and you're reading about these updates that come out for Android, 
and you look at your handset and your particular provider because it's even even uh, if you have the same if and there's very few handsets that cross between Verizon and AT and T and Sprint, but if you happen to find one um, or a manufacturer, they'll often give different release dates for the for the same phone on two different uh, two different networks. And to me, that's just maddening from a from a, a, a customer standpoint because then you think, why did I spend three hundred bucks on this on this uh, handset that's not going to be upgraded as it goes along? Right. That, that irritates me. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Android, speak out. I think I just got. I think I just barely have gingerbread. I think, okay. which is too well. I hate using geek talk. Yeah. When it, when I got my phone, it had version two point one of the operating system, and then about a year later, it got two point two, and then I think I just barely got two point three, and they are at three point well, something. Right well, now. four. They're four. That's four sandwich. Yeah. 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 So th- that's kind of what it is: is you don't get the updates if they aren't supported by your phone. But that also means you don't get the newest features, and sometimes the features matter, like uh, battery consumption. You know, the right. newer updates don't use near as much battery, but you can't get those because they don't support your phone, so your phone keeps running down. And then what about the uh, what about the situation for developers? If yeah. you're a developer and you developed a really cool app on two point two, right, and and you want to update it to use some of the cool features that are maybe in four, you really can't do that because none of your consumers are running that yet. Right. Or vice versa. You develop something under 3 or 4.0, yep. and the people that are running the 2.2, 2.3, they can't run it. And in some cases, it crashes the phone. That's right. Or it crashes the, you know, just trying to run it. So to me, the ecosystem, I love open source. I do love open source. But for a consumer product, I think that it's got to be tightened up. Matt? Well... <laughs> D- d- developer perspective here. Okay. Um, you know, being having a past developer pro- uh, background, it, it, it's tough because you have certain versions that have certain functionality built into it, and a lot of times the developers are waiting for the next version so that there's the proper functionality so that they can actually make that next application. There's just not enough functionality in the OS, uh, you know, in previous versions to do what the developers need to do to make it really happen. Right. And, and so the, the developers' hands are tied. And uh, I, again, I, if you're developing <coughs> and trying to use the future technology, but then your consumers can't consume that technology because their handsets and their, the companies controlling those handsets aren't rolling out those updates, what do you do? Well, it, you know, at that point, it's, it's kind of a, a combined decision you know between hardware and software it has to be a joint effort knowing that the future is going to be in this you know 4.0 ice cream sandwich and that that's where the phones are going to be and so the developers mm-hmm. spend a lot of time i mean because it can take years to develop some of these at times right. well but then there you go the, the consumer loses out again because we've only got one 4.0 handset out now and if we're putting our effort to developing for that folks that have a one year old or even a six month old android they're not getting any new apps from the cool people because they're looking on the new stuff. I know, had it's a, kind of a chicken and egg thing. I had a job for a year at, uh, what do they call that? I can't even think of what they QA, quality assurance testing on software. And that's where you try to break the software. You just basically do anything like uh, what happens when you pull the memory card out in the middle of it writing or what happens when you're trying to print at the same time you use this software. And all I, I didn't have to fix any of it. I don't know how to program, but I did have to keep track of every little glitch. And that becomes maddening. It's a, it's a game of dominoes because right. as soon as you say, okay, I fixed this problem X, mm-hmm. then problem Y occurs. And then right in the middle of that, they add a different – you find out that if you move it to a different machine and they're using a different brand of RAM, you have all the problems all over it. So it's, it's not a simple thing of just let's you know fix this problem. That's why that's why Apple is able to be so stable is because they say they we don't control the ecosystem. With, we don't right? work with anything else besides this. It's and, and it's really nice. And, and so, that's what makes so it attractive things. to the average consumer, right? Because they there's a consistency of the of the experience across across all uh, units. Yeah, and and even on their older units they support quite a ways back updates so they can stay current it's i kind of think of it as lego legos and tinker toys you know they're both really good but if you try to use both at the same time to make what make something you can do some really cool things if you decide i'm going to mix my legos and my tinker toys and make something huge that's a that's the developer who's for android that's the people who say you know we can do some really great stuff 
But then again, you can also do some really great stuff with just stinking, just, just sticking with just the Legos. Just right. build, get as big and as complex as you want to with it. And it's not a fact. It's not a matter of which one is better. It's right. a matter of what you what you can do with the tools you're given, and uh, whether or not you want to even mess with the Tinker Toys or, and all that. So I apologize for my weird analogy, but that's, that's kind of how good. it is. So. Analogies are good. Okay, uh, well, since we're talking Apple and that kind of thing, yeah, the Apple iPad three is in the rumor mill. Have you started to see the, the I, iPad three rumors? I've heard some of them, yeah. and people are saying some people are saying as soon as March. Yeah, I think March is a I think March is a reasonable thing, but we've got to have an iPhone five in there somewhere too. Which With that that too? rumor hasn't come out yet. Interestingly, so, like, enough. we could though. start it here. Yeah, right, but Let's I'm just saying right that I'm just saying when you look at your dates, yes. the iPad usually gets announced. Right around now. Right around January, mm-hmm. right? Right. Well, no, I thought it could. Yeah, it should be right around now. It should be, right? Yes. So We just had Macworld. Right. Out in New York, nothing. But they don't go to Macworld usually, anymore. Usually, I'm just trying to think, the CES buzz gets dwarfed by the Apple buzz. <laughs> so we're missing something here. It's been some time since we've heard of anything. But there's been some odd release dates. Like they released the 4S in September. Right. So I think it's iPad's turn to get the buzz. Mm-hmm. And then shortly, very shortly though after, I think we need an iPhone five. Well, well, we we have to have a bar scene first. A bar scene <laughs> well, where it gets released and accidentally yeah. lost. Well, yeah, accidentally, oh, yeah, accidentally lost, lost in the yeah, bar. Yeah. That. That's happened twice. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, but no, you're right. That's they should change. They should and, make it a coffee but shop. But the other thing too, more. and right in there too, is the MacBook Pro lineup is due to be. They're saying they might get rid of MacBook Pros, the high end altogether, and right. just release the Airs. So. Speaking of which, that's what dominated CES this year. Yeah. Is consumers out there listening to the show tonight, 241-8801 is a phone number, by the way, extension 1, 241-8801, extension 1, is Ultrabooks. Right. Ultrabooks is our new buzzword for the uh, the new format for laptops, and that's all based on... The success of the Ma- of the right. Apple MacBook Air. We can build a thinner, lighter laptop, so with that's increased what they're doing. battery. Yeah, so that's what they're doing. So now you get, but they're not any battery. cheaper than or more expensive than the Apples. Yeah, and that's what's really interesting. The yeah, cheapest Sony's ones are, are around a thousand bucks. Yeah, yeah. So, so but you're going to see that this year is that the, uh, the the new buzzword is the Mac is the Ultra Book, and what that basically means is it's going to be super thin, usually under an inch. Usually without a CD or a DVD, and uh, usually um, with thirteen, anywhere from eleven to thirteen inch screens. That's what the people at CES are saying. Is that's the big thing you're going to see? I don't think anybody's going to care. Do you, you don't think do you so? Think, do you even think so? I think if it's, you go shopping, are you even going to be shopping for a thinner, lighter laptop? Or you? I would. You know me. I would. Would you really? Well, you know I do. I love the thinner, lighter laptop. But see, I don't. I have an iPad. I don't care. Right. You know what I mean? I'm. I'm not. I'm not planning. All I need is something with a keyboard on it that I can use. But that's where the transition is, is is that we do have now tablets that are very functional, and you can do a lot of things with them. So laptops now look so large and clunky that they've got to come out with some kind of transitional unit. And I think that's for people who want to have a keyboard and don't want to have an extra device, I think that's going to be the crossover. And that's where I think that the the appeal – I use the appeal lightly, but the appeal of Windows 8 will be – will be touchscreen ultrabooks running Windows 8 where you can just flip through the interface on your screen with, with your fingers. Mm-hmm. We see the device get smaller because the mouse is less relevant and stuff like that. Now, that not that that's going to turn anybody back to, back to PC, mm-hmm. but, but it might be the thing that creates a new hybrid device that makes Apple step up and say, you know what, we don't need a laptop and an iPad. We need a device that, that answers that. I well, and I think, and, and I agree with you. I think we still like keyboards. Yeah. One way or the other, we still like keyboards as as much as you can try. You cannot be as productive on an iPad or a right. tablet keyboard as you can on a right. physical keyboard. And the iPad doesn't do everything that you might need to do with a laptop. For example, if you're a photo editor and you want to run Photoshop, you can't do that on an iPad. So you need. You do need a real computer that's portable. I right. Think. I, I think that'll be the defining factor on whether people go, uh, you know, an, an iPad based or you know one of these right. uh, ultra thin books is whether or not they need to install a proprietary piece of software, you know, that you just can't get in the cloud. Right. Um, but I think we're seeing less and less of the need for that, and that's where I think you know the the iPad right. type devices I think could could take off when speaking of installing uh for those of us in here that have laptops 
when or desktop, when's the last time you used your CD-ROM? Matt? Image transfer uh, about a week ago. Somebody handed me a disc. You're the only but, one who's going to use it, actually. I haven't. I don't even have a CD-ROM in it, mind, and I have it for a year. Yeah, so. but I, I think most people hand me a thumb drive. Right. Um, but I mean, how often do you use it? Not often. Oh, n- almost never. Okay. But if, now, if somebody hadn't given that to you for image transfer, when's the last time you used it? Oh. So you can't remember? <laughs> no, <laughs> Too long ago. That's on my laptop. On my right. desktop PC. Do you I, use it there? Let me just tell you, the only time I use it, I do occasionally write discs because I want something that's disposable. So okay. I want to write a DVD and give it to somebody. I'd have to use a thumb disposable. drive. Right. The uh, other thing, too, though, that I have used it for is I rip my DVD movies. I'm, I'm confessing. I rip okay. my DVD movies. And I put them on my iPad so my kids, when we're driving in the car, we don't have to carry. You have a library of player. stuff. We have a library of stuff on there, mm-hmm. and so that's all DVDs. Using handbrake, by the way. Yeah, use handbrake. handbrake yeah. But uh, you know, all DVDs we own, we're just basically taking our DVD collection and putting it over on a different uh, format so that the kids can travel with that. Uh, we do occasionally download a, a movie from like the iTunes library or something like that, but. But, uh, you know, it's, well, it's just but, so and, handy. And Why there's where the Ultrabooks, and there's, again, Apple taking yeah. the forefront. Apple was the first company to take the floppy disk out of computers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people said, why did they do that? It's, yeah. That was that was a big move. Why did they do that? Um, eventually, took four or five years, but even yep. PCs stopped putting the well, floppy disk to, in the thing. Yeah, and to give you an idea how practical that is, and this is really why we're doing it, it's not because we're trying to get around anything. It's, it's that a, a DVD burns so much battery that the kids can maybe watch one and a half movies on right. a car trip. Uh, with the iPad, they can watch as many as six movies on one charge. Matter. Yeah, on wow. one charge before it runs down because there's no moving parts. There's nothing burning that electricity, and they they've watched six six movies on on occasion. A lot of times it's four, and then it starts tapering off. But right. but they have on a full charge, take it a hundred percent. They can get six movies in there sometimes. That's amazing. Straight out. That is amazing. Or twelve hours. So that that's where the ultra books without a DVD run. People always say, "Why I want a DVD?" And I say, "Well, if you think about it, you don't really need to." Today, I had a client who wanted Photoshop Elements, uh-huh. and on his uh, Bresnan connection, we downloaded a one point five gigabyte file that's what it was for photoshop elements 10 1.5 gigabytes in about 18 minutes yeah wow so yeah you know we're getting to the point where finally internet speeds are getting to the point where you don't need to go out and buy the cd right and if the if the burner or the drive is important i think mine's a hewlett packard the external external that i got that works on PC and Mac, right. and I paid forty five bucks for it. So right. it, at a store, I didn't order that online. That was that was the yeah. price at wherever I bought it. You didn't go to because you probably could have gone a new egg and well, got I half got the a price. New egg and probably got it for twenty. Yeah, but right. I mean, I went into a store, bought it for forty five bucks, and so there I, is I a solution if sale. you need that. Yeah, yeah, I've got one of those as well, and they're they're really nice. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. When you need it, but you just don't. So DVDs. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know about yours, but with mine, it actually requires two USB ports, and so that mine would, doesn't require that unless it. Uh, mine mine has that setting on it, but it as long as there's enough juice coming out of the USB port, it it runs just fine. That's on my MacBook one. Air. Oh, yeah. I wonder nice. if it lowers the speed though, Adam. Oh, it could. Yeah, it might. I don't know. There. Yeah. All right. Two four one eight eight zero one. Hello, you're on with Rick and Adam and uh, Matt talking about computers and technology. What can we do for you? Yeah, my name's John. I own uh, Cruiser's Bar, and uh, we're doing this Facebook. We just did Google Chrome, and I can do a toggle off to invite friends to, like, bands and stuff that uh-huh. I have. Sure. What's happening is that I get to maybe 300, and it says uh, that I need to narrow my list. Is there a way I can contact them saying that I'm a business? And uh, Did you set it up? Because I've got, a- like, 2,000 friends. Right. You, so you set the bar up as a friend page, right? A friend account? When it, when it first got set up, Okay, yeah, so there's really... Kinda... Nope, they... Now, you might be able to contact Facebook, maybe. I mean, try it. This is all I can tell you. Tell them, hey, I accidentally did this wrong, and I'd like some help switching things over. They might be able to do that for you, but that didn't used to be their policy. They used to just okay. make you do it. And uh, it might be a slow process convincing all those people to to like a page instead but uh what's the only way for him to to contact him via help oh there's yeah there's ways of doing it yeah there's if you go into to facebook there's a lot of ways they want you to contact them about stuff so that it won't be a phone call by any means but but there's several contacts in there when you go into the account settings where you can uh 
post a, a question to Facebook or a complaint. Yeah, it's not an easy thing just to switch from friends to a business, no, right? No, uh, actually, is there, a, is it, there, there, there is a way of doing it. Yes, you can convert your personal profile to a business page. Really? Yes. Oh, and if, if you go into their help, and uh, there's a whole section here on how do I convert my personal account to a Facebook page. Oh. And it will convert it over and make all the necessary changes. It's not oh. always seamless, but it... So go to Help Center and search for Convert Personal Account. Good. Con- convert Personal Account. Yep. Great. Wow, that's good. I'm glad they did that. They didn't used to do that. That's cool. It, it is fairly new. It, about six months ago or so, they oh, good. they started doing that. Well, then my data was outdated. Well, thanks for calling. I'm glad was Matt was here. Right on. Thanks for the info, guys. Again, have a great night. Thank uh, you. You too. 241-8801, extension one. That makes sense. They would do something like that because it did start out as all personal. Right. And then they added the business later. So it's good that they did yeah. that. Yeah, and there were just so many people that were doing exactly what he did. You know, he's a business. He started it up, didn't exactly know the difference between the two. Or they didn't it have it initially, too. Right. And, you know, so and, and it's hard to build that momentum to get it pushed over by hand to ask everybody to, to become a new. Yeah, and for those are mm-hmm. almost everybody's on Facebook. So just to explain. Explain the difference between the two because a lot of people make this mistake. A Facebook account, a personal account, is made for people to relate to each other. And any friend that you have, or if you're friends with somebody, if you have it set up to allow friends to see your 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 content, then that means that any business who you're friends with, anybody who's working at that business can see your information because you're a friend. By being by setting up a Facebook page, which you can do at facebook.com slash pages, you can set up an account that people can like, but it doesn't allow the business to do it the other way. The business can't see your personal information because they're not technically a friend, they're just an interest or, or you know, a page that you like. And so it really protects it your privacy. It basically becomes a kind of a website that allows people to right. communicate with each other about that. Topic. Right. If a business right. tries to friend me, you know, they send me a friend request, I write them back a message. If they're worth my time and I want to follow them, I write them back a message and say, you know, if you create a Facebook page, I'll be happy to like it, but I'm not going to friend your page because I don't, know who's on the other end of this. I don't know who I'm friending. Right. I also don't friend HR departments. <laughs> Anybody <laughs> who works in HR. <laughs> you, know, another... you know, I used to have a similar policy as you. If a business would try and friend me and right. I knew for sure that it was a personal page, right. I, I, I would decline it and I would do the same thing as you. But there just came a certain point when so many businesses, I realized, just didn't know the difference. Right. And they were using it legitimately as a business I, well, I, see, I started friending. I, I trust the person who set it up, but I don't know about the person who they're going to hand off the admin power, the high schooler they're going to hand off the admin powers to. Sure. Um, what are they going to do with it and what are they going to, you know, and the technical term or the term that everybody uses for it now is called creepers or creeping. It's where somebody just like looks around and looks at everybody's Facebook pictures and, and all of that. And, and not that I, ex- you know, I, not that I expect it to be, any big problem at the same time it's still my information and uh, there's some stuff i just don't want to give up by going on to facebook so creepy yep that's it <laughs> or you can be like me and don't use it at all don't use it at all yeah, yeah that's yeah. another option i don't feel too. like i have any i don't feel like i suffer in any way by not using facebook you know, though, but is there any way i'd be suffering if we could go back to the early days of the show when we were totally national and we had all that stuff going on it would have been beautiful to have that facebook uh, page mm-hmm. ability because you can interact with everybody all the time and you can really build up that that following uh, more than you can with anything else more than with Twitter or anything it but really does th- there was an that. article I tweeted about just two weeks ago uh-huh. there was an article that uh, there was a study by I forgot who did it some business study and uh, the study showed that businesses who have business Facebook pages have less than 1% interaction from right. people who like their page. But whose fault is that? No, that's, that's overall. That's overall, all right. pages. I, but, but what I'm saying, though, is what I'm saying is there's that may be true on average, but for the businesses who really interact a lot, mm-hmm. that, that can't be true. I mean, it's no. way higher than that, way higher. I mean, you, you, you're still talking about a lot of these businesses have – thousands of followers and one percent maybe a hundred or two hundred or three hundred mm-hmm. that's more than what they'd have without that 
that page, if that makes sense. It's more of a, a following. Mm-hmm. But I know that things. But, I, but well, my I that my curiosity is what cost? At what cost is that interaction? And what what do they consider an interaction? If people go to a business page and are just chatting about Twinkies, change the filling flavor. Right. Is that an interaction, or does the no. interaction count as I want to complain about the Twinkies changing their filling, and somebody from Twinkie got back, or Hostess got back and said, "This right. is why we did it." Yeah, I didn't. What's, what is an interaction? I, I didn't read the article, um, but I would assume that they're referring to conversions, and I would put this right in line with direct mail marketing. Mm-hmm. It, it, you know, one percent is considered very average. It's right where you know you're you're targeting. It's what you're expecting when you're sending out mail right. but i can also i've also seen many direct mail campaigns that get zero percent and i've seen many that can get 15 20 percent returns right. and so i would equate you know if you're using social media as a business medium I, I would expect the numbers to be right on par with that but again but my 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 point is is what is the cost because as a one person business i know that if i utilized my facebook page with answering questions, with interacting with people saying, oh, your, your cat is beautiful and all that crap, I, w- I wouldn't have time to do anything else. Right, yeah, it definitely has to be targeted. And, it and I don't have the money to pay somebody to do it full time. Right, and you, you're going to have to factor in that cost of what you're worth per hour. I mean, every business owner has to know their worth. And so, if and how you use it, too. And, it's and, not the yeah. mere presence. It's no. not the mere presence. You would no. have to say... You, you're not out there to give away your service for free, right. but you are out there to say, I got this problem today and this is how we resolved it, and then have people comment and interact with it, and, and then you become known as... It's no different than a website or a blog. It really is the same thing. It's just well, but that's Facebook. my point. It's, but then you have... Then you're... If you have a website and a, or a blog and a Facebook, then you've got... Then you're diverting yourself in two different directions. So then you have to make a decision, which one do I ignore... Or which one do I put my energy into? I don't right. think that's true either because yeah. if you look at somebody like Mashable, I mean, they do everything on their site, but everything gets rebroadcast to Facebook. Well, I do that too. I rebroadcast everything. So that part's easy, but mm-hmm. the interacting part. Yeah, the interacting. Then you do have a small amount of time where you do have to do follow-up. It's when more than a small amount of time. It can If be. you want to do it. Yes. And, and I'm a type A personality when it comes to trying to keep up with that kind of stuff because <laughs> I don't want to put myself out there if – I don't have the time to say. But okay, see, the, you're yeah. in the you're in the boat where a lot of people are when they come to me and they say, "I want to be on Facebook," and I say, "Are you ready to maintain it? Are right, you ready to exactly. do it?" Yeah. Well, I don't have to do that, do I? And I say, if you want it to matter, you do. Right. If you don't, it, it's not worth it. Don't get started in it right. if right. you're not ready for the follow through. But if if somebody came to me and said, "I don't want to do very much work, and I can either create a blog or I can create a Facebook page," I would absolutely recommend the Facebook page before the blog. Sure. Certainly, be easier for them to maintain. Yeah, to maintain from from and the beginning. For following. From the beginning. Right. Yeah, I yeah. agree. I yeah. agree with that. Yeah. All right. Well, we okay. better wrap it up. Yeah, we got uh, stuff to do. For Matt and Adam, my name is Rick Castellini, and you can uh, follow all of us online at Help Me Rick, Talking Digital, or Matt Kettlewell. And we'll be back again next week from noon to one on Wednesday. Thanks for listening. <laughs> Thank you.